And as usual, it takes us a couple minutes to get up and running, but I we are Jocks of All Trades podcast. I'm Brad and this is Luke. And today we're going to bring you the spicy takes and weird news that has come out from this week. Um, Luke, I'm going to start us out with the NBA. Russ Westbrook got traded to the Wizards for John Wall in a first round draft pick. Are we happy about this? Do we feel weird about this? What's going on here? I do think there was a big winner in this trade and the winner is the Rockets. They were able to, we all know that both Russell Westbrook and James Harden, because they're such ball dominant players are near incompatible. You, if you feed the ball to one, the other is not going to get it. If you feed the ball to the other, the first one's not going to get it. So getting a true point guard, someone who can get assists and who can shoot still can um, hit from the outside was a really great win for Houston, even if it was just one for the other. The fact is the Houston, the Rockets also got a first round draft pick, whereas Washington only got Russ. And so um, I don't, I'm not sure how well Russ will fit in Washington. He's got Bradley Beal. Again, we'll have to see how that dynamic turns out, but I will be interested to see how this plays out. But I do think it's a win for Houston. I agree. Um, I was going to take the Wizards, but I just don't know how Russ is going to pair if he can be that guy that kind of plays off the ball a little bit. Let the ball be in Bradley Beal's hands. That dude knows how to throw down. Um, So uh, we both are in agreement. Let's move on. Uh, so we did the top five best new city jerseys that came out a couple episodes ago, but I wanted to talk about the top five worst city jerseys for 2021. Um, you know, I'm going to start us out. My number five has to be the Portland Trailblazers. I just don't, I just can't get behind the whole Oregon and like the weird thing on the side of your jersey. It doesn't scream Trailblazer to me. It has like nothing to do with the Trailblazers at all. Like, it just doesn't click for me. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, Portland was definitely on my list as well. At my number five, though, I had uh, the 76ers. They, I liked the style, except for what is between the text Philadelphia and the number. You have this squiggly stuff that you don't know what it is, and then you look harder, and it's like, oh, it's supposed to be a skyline. And it looks nothing like a skyline. You can do a skyline so much better on so many different jerseys. Look at Phoenixes. They at least try to do a skyline, and it actually kind of looks like a skyline. That just, it doesn't look like a skyline at all. It just looks like squiggles. And if you're having that much problem designing something, maybe go with a different design. Heck, it's where American independence was born. Get a Liberty Bell or something on it. That could have been something you could have done, but no, you instead to make a crappy skyline. Not cool. You're giving Kyle a stroke, I'm sure, somewhere. (laughs) Um, Anyhow, we're going to move on to number four. My number four was the Orlando Magic. Um, I like the pinstripes. Cool to bring that back like you did last year, but why the oranges like why pick oranges to be like your city like you've got disney you can do mouse ears you could do a castle like get creative but we picked oranges and like it's not even a sexy uniform it's just like oh wow i'm not going to be able to read that like 50 rows up 
so yeah, that's my four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my four going back to Port uh, Portland, their disaster of a jersey. Again, they are not the Oregon Trailblazers. They are the Portland Trailblazers. And I don't know whether it's, you know, Portland has been getting a lot of negative publicity lately. I don't know whether they're not they're trying to avoid some of the stigma or what they're doing, but stand up for your city. Be proud of your city. Don't just, you know, oh, we stand for all of Oregon. No, be Portland. Portland needs you guys. Dame, Portland needs you. So come on, wear your city's name with pride. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to number three. I can't believe I'm taking a pot shot at my own team. Uh, the Boston Celtics just doesn't look good. I know, I heard rumor mill what they're trying to do. They're trying to do the banners and represent the championships we have. That's cool. What that doesn't translate too well is a jersey that just says Boston Celtics and it's plain white. Like, come on, guys, get creative. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree. Um, my number three was Chicago. I liked the font of Chicago. I thought up close, it looks pretty good. However, very few people are going to be seeing the uniforms up close a lot of the time. Most people are going to be watching these games on television, online, where, you know, each player is one tiny dot, which means they're going to be inundated with that horrendous grayish blackish color all game long and while the the lettering looks good it's so small and so thin it's not going to translate onto the television screen and so i just think congratulations you've made the interesting part really really small and the rest of it is just this gray black so yeah chicago would be my number three um, my number two has to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. Usually I love their alternate jerseys. I love their city jerseys. They're always really cool. But it looks like a truck stop. It looks like a sign for a truck stop. Like it just doesn't play well with like the stripes cutting across. Nothing about it well, in terms well, isn't, of... Well, it doesn't have like, you know, they have the little sponsors on them. Doesn't it say loves? I think it is. I think it's that, loves. Loves is a truck stop. Oh, gosh. So there you go. Bad move. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've stopped at my uh, share of loves. You, you got, they've got clean bathrooms. I will give them that. They do a really good job with bathroom upkeep. Uh, my, <laughs> my number two, my number two, I'm going to take it back to uh, the land of Disney, Orlando. I didn't mind the orange so much. What I minded was the lettering. If you're going to abbreviate your city, you need to have, you know, the big block O, the big block R, and then the big block L, maybe even underline it so people know, okay, this is an abbreviation. The way it's designed, people are going to be like, what's oral? What is it? And then the little star on the end, what is it? Orlo? Orla? What, what, what's going on? So Reminds me of so, Megamind. Orlo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Orlo. But yeah, so I don't understand that the lettering, if you have a capital O and then a lowercase RL, people are going to be going, who's oral? So that, because that's how I read it the moment I saw it. It's like, what's oral? 
So yeah, um, oral is not doing good things for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so finally, the PAs to resistance, my number one has to be the Milwaukee Bucks. They said they wanted to do the Great Lakes and like really incorporate all of it together. But what I see is just a plain blue jersey that screams nothing Milwaukee and I hate it. Wow, okay. Um, my number one was Miami. Miami's is absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Pick a color. You're either going to go with the baby blue or you're going to go with the girly pink. There is no I don't blue. know which one you want. I don't even know why you would want either of those colors. But you did both. And you did both badly. And no one can even read the text of Miami on the front because the font is in it, the font is illegible. So great job, Miami. You win the terrible jersey trophy. Great job. Yeah. Oh my word. All right. Well we've talked city jerseys. We've bored you enough. We'll post those later so you can see exactly what we're talking about. Um, but we are going to move on to the Christmas Day game slate that was released. Um, I've got them all listed here. I want you to pick one and tell me which one seems like your favorite. We have Pelicans at the Heat, the Warriors at the Bucks, the Nets at the Celtics, the Mavs at the Lakers, and the Clippers at the Nuggets. Which game looks good to you and why? I am really looking forward, depending on someone on one player playing because there are rumors of him taking a rest for the first few games of the season but i think he'll be there for christmas i am really looking forward to lebron james and anthony davis going up against luca and hopefully a healthy Kristaps porzingis mm -hmm. this is a matchup that i feel like would have been very very interesting in the bubble had the mavs gotten so far and if and they might have gotten farther if Kristaps had been healthy considering the choke job the Clippers did you might have seen the Mavs get farther if Kristaps were a part of that run so I am very interested to see how these powers match up now you have LeBron doing LeBron things AD doing AD things Luca doing Luca things and now you add Kristaps Porzingis down low at least giving AD some trouble underneath the basket maybe not athletically because I, I think ad is certainly more athletic than chris Stapps, but chris Stapps makes up for it for just in pure height and length and size so i think you we're going to see depending on whether or not all those stars play we're going to see a very very interesting matchup um you know i was going to take the nets at the celtics because katie and Kyrie would finally be playing together but you know, the one that strikes me more has to be the Pelicans at the Heat. Um, I want to see if the, the defending East champions can take on Zion and that crew. Um, Zion is ridiculous. I want to see Zion versus Bam. I want to see that inside paint work. Um, my money's on Zion because he's just a freak. He's like a linebacker. Um, but I think that would be the game that I am more prone to watch with a close second being Warriors and Bucks. Really, why Warriors and Bucks? Steph. Steph's going to be back. Well, Steph's going to be back, but he's going to be all by himself. 
But we're finally going to see the Bucks with a premier guard with Drew Holiday. So maybe Steph gets shut down and it's Giannis's time to shine. I, I think that is very likely. I think if it if Clay were active and Clay were healthy, I think that'd be a very, very interesting matchup. However, with Steph being alone, I think now Drew Holiday and Giannis are probably going to be able, maybe not shut him down, but certainly you, what you do is you just deny him the ball. And what else do the Warriors have at that point? Maybe, so I would be curious to see James Wiseman and see if he plays in a role in trying to slow down Giannis. Dude is like 7-1. I can't remember his wingspan, but he's a big boy. I think they might use him. Maybe, maybe. The Warriors need to find a weapon outside of Steph if, they are, if they're even going to have a shot. Agreed. All right, well, we have talked all about NBA. We're going to talk about NFL. The biggest news coming out of the NFL currently is the Lions finally fired Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. It is about time. We have spent a lot of time talking about how to fix the Lions and what's wrong with the Lions, and is it Matt Stafford, is it not? Um, but, you know, I think this was a great move by the Lions. Yeah, everything didn't come together the way you wanted it to. I think it's time to blow it up and start over. And when Kyle and I were talking about this earlier, the first thing we talked about blowing up is the staff and then move on from Matt Stafford, build yourself out. But it starts by blowing up the staff. Congrats to the Lions for making a good move to build towards a better future. I, I'd, be, I'd be inclined to agree with you. However, there needs also to be just a culture change throughout the entire organization. There have been coaches and GMs and players who have gone through that organization for decades and really nothing has changed. The Lions saw their heyday in the pre-Super Bowl years in the 50s. And ever since the institution of the Super Bowl, they've not tasted any form of real success. I think it needs a culture change and I think it needs to start up top, maybe even with the owner. Um, you see if the owner can't find a way to change the culture, then I think he needs to start considering maybe selling the team. I don't know, but there needs to be a culture change. And whether that comes at the hands of a GM who wants to instill a winning culture, maybe an owner who's willing to pay for big time names, a coach who knows what he's doing, it needs to come in some form or another. I agree. Um... So we've figured out the Lions kind of maybe now. They've, they're in a step in the right direction. Let's talk about the Rams. Uh, the top 10 came out for power rankings, and the Rams sit at 10. I'm sorry, but there are a few teams that I think could take the place of the Rams easily, one that's beaten the Rams already, but I just don't – I'm sorry. The Rams have just sucked. I don't care what your record is. They have sucked consistently. They've gotten lucky against some teams, but they have sucked. Um, I want to make a case for either Indianapolis or the Miami Dolphins. Both of them are also at seven and four and the Dolphins have already beaten the Rams. I think that at the very least, the top 10 should end out with Miami. Which, um, which power rankings are you looking at? Uh, ESPN. ESPNs. Okay. I thought they had Indianapolis at nine. I hope so. But I, I would agree. I would agree. I was looking through what I thought were the top 10. And I was I was surprised to see them that high. But then as I looked down the list, I'm going, 
maybe this makes sense. I'm not willing to make a judgment call either way. I do think the Browns are getting a little disrespected because they are eight and three. And Baker Mayfield does get a lot of crap talked about him because people, you know, every time, you know, the Browns don't do well, it's Baker's fault. And I'm not sure I buy into that yet. I think he does have room to improve, but I don't think the entire blame for every single loss and every single bad thing falls on him. I, I just want to see, I want to see them play another quality team and see how they stack up. Cause I just remember first game of the season, they got absolutely blown out by the Ravens and the Ravens have turned out to not be that, uh, to not be the juggernaut that we thought they would be before the season. Right. So I'll be interested to see, cause they have, they play the Steelers, I believe in the final week of the season. I think they have one more game with the Ravens coming up. We'll see if they can avenge that loss. I'll be interested to see what the Browns can do. We should even talk about the fact that the Browns are eight and three. My biggest complaint about them last year was their O-line. And you know what? Their O-line has held up pretty well for Baker. The, the problem now lies in Baker's hands to make the right plays that he needs to. But I will say, Cleveland's run game is out of this world with Nick well, Chubb. Well, when you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, it yeah. tends to go that way. Because Kareem yeah. Hunt, with Nick Chubb being out with injury for so long, Kareem Hunt has held up under that pressure of being the man extremely well yeah i think we i think we look forward to them continuing the run game and we won't have to talk about mayfield at all truthfully no they they need to become a run first team they need to become a pound them and grind them team however it helps when you have a good defense to back that up to keep your opponent's offense off the field and i feel like that's the next step for this team they need to find a way to keep because uh, right now what I feel like the Browns have what happens to the Browns is uh, they try to run the ball. And when they do try to run the ball, then what happens is their defense gets shredded through the air and then they're forced to the air to compensate for the speed at which their opponents can score. And it doesn't go as well for them when they're forced to become one dimensional in passing the ball. If they can find a way to keep their opponent's offense off the field, if the defense can find some more success, watch out. Which, with their defense, I'm sold on their defense. But. I'm sold on the Browns' run defense. When you have Miles Garrett anchoring that defensive line, uh, I think they have a very good shot at they, they have a good shot at stopping any run game. It's the passing game they worry more about. I feel like teams can a, a team with a really good wide receiver core like the Chiefs is going to be able to tear them to shreds. But then well, again, I think the Chiefs the offense could sh- tear yeah. any defense to shreds. So it's not really even really a good comparison. With that being said, uh, let's move on to someone who's underperforming. Is Brady done? He has lost three consecutive home games in a row for the first time in 21 years. That is insane that Tom Brady is not performing anywhere near to what we're used to Tom Brady. I would say that he was already considered by most mainstream sports media and most mainstream fans of the NFL to be the GOAT of quarterbacks. He didn't have to do anything else for his resume. 
He doesn't have to prove anything to anyone else. Um, there are those who look at the Patriots run of Super Bowls and don't see them as pure as the driven snow, but I don't think most mainstream fans look at it in the same way. I think if he was going to leave Bill Belichick and the Pats, he should have retired. If, yeah. if you want to keep playing, stay, dance with, dance with them that brought you. But he wanted to see, I think he wanted to silence some haters who were whispering in his ear, you're only successful because of Bill Belichick. You're a system QB. And so he wanted to prove them wrong. And he he's proving wrong. them right. At least currently, we might see the, the Bucks all of a sudden make a miraculous turnaround because, you know, they'll look like crap one week and then they'll look Super Bowl-esque the next week. So I have no idea what to think of the Tampa Bay retirement home anymore. I just know that they're two years away from losing half their roster due yeah. to retirement. I, uh, A, it's funny. I love that you keep calling it that. B, I think I agree with you that Brady felt like he was in a box and thought, well, if I can go somewhere else and be successful, I'm Tom Brady, not the Patriots quarterback, Tom Brady. And that kind of that association that comes with it. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I'm happy with the take and the, the route that you went with that. Um, we are going to give you a small little interesting news thing that I've heard um, seen it rotating. Uh, he posted pictures as well with a team doctor. So uh, he may be gearing up. So we know Bud Dupree went down against the Ravens with what looked like an ACL tear. It looks like he's done for the season. So the Steelers put out some old feelers to an old friend, James Harrison. So it sounds like James Harrison is going to be rejoining the Steelers. The last time he played was for the Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. That's been quite some time. I'm curious to see how he comes back and plays. Um, I don't really have any more comments on this currently, but if we get more comments, we will continue to talk about that in our next episode, etc. And even better, if you heard it here first, you heard it from us first, which means we're wizards um, and I can manipulate any team how I want, which means that Sam Darnold will go to the Colts. Uh, anyhow. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's found how Bill Belichick was able to influence the weather. So yeah, you heard it here first. There you go. <laughs> Uh, since we're talking Steelers, I know that you're a partial Steelers fan. Um, this family, uh, my father is a massive Steelers fan. So he's on cloud nine right now with how the team is doing. I, I do have to ask, have the Steelers had it easy to go 11? And I know I will start with the evidence and then we'll chat about what you think. Um, so their schedule so far, they beat Daniel Jones and the Giants. They barely beat the Broncos. They beat Bill O'Brien. They beat Carson Wentz. They beat a Browns team that's actually not terrible. I'll give them that one. They were bailed out by the refs at the end of the game against the Titans. They barely beat the Ravens. They barely beat the three and eight Cowboys. They beat the two win Bengals. They beat Gardner Minshew's backup, Jake Luton. And then they barely beat Ravens practice squad and the third string quarterback. You know, when you say it that way, I, I, I appreciate that they're 11-0, but it doesn't make me go, man, this is the best Steelers team that has ever walked the earth. I have some doubts. What do you, what do you have to say about that? I get where you're coming from. I think there is a danger um, when you look at football across both professional and in college 
you look at college, you look at an undefeated team, and then you know, well, they could be undefeated because they've scheduled Little Sisters of the Poor for 11 straight weeks, like so many teams do, like Clemson basically did last year. And that undefeated record means nothing. However, we cannot port that reasoning into the NFL. 11 and 0 in the NFL does not happen without a very, very good team. And I don't care whether you play, I mean, there, if you play the Jets 11 weeks in a row, then, then we can have a conversation. But the game against the Titans, they showed themselves well against adversity. And it wasn't a blatant, you know, Saints level of a, a couple years ago in the playoffs-esque pass interference call. It was a holding call that might have gone one way, might have gone another. And in the course of the game, breaks like that are going to happen. I'm sure if you rewind the tape. The Titans got some breaks as well. So I give the Steelers credit for that win against a very good Titans team. Again, they beat a Browns team that is right now eight and three. You, they beat a Ravens team when they had Lamar in Baltimore. They've beaten some good competition. Now, they might have not beaten the premier competition in the AFC. I'll be interested when both teams go to the playoffs and I could see these, I could see the Chiefs and the Steelers meeting in the AFC championship easily. I will be very, very interested to see how those two teams match up. But 11 and 0 does not happen in the NFL without consistency and actually having a very, very good team. And that's what we criticize so many teams about. Oh, Tampa Bay retirement home, the Browns, the Baltimore Ravens. They're just not consistent. Well, right now, here we have the most consistent team in the NFL right now. They might not win pretty, but they find a way to win week in, week out, without fail up until this point. So right now in ESPN's power rankings, they're at number one. I believe that is where they belong. We cannot sacrifice consistent finding a way to win week in and week out for good and flashy but you still have one in the loss column two two responses to you um one i'm very excited to see the chiefs and steelers play should that continue to come to a head because the best offense and the best defense are about to play each other and i want to see who wins out first of all second of all let's talk about the remainder of the steelers schedule they have the washington football team then they traveled and blowed to face the eight and three Bills. Then they played Cincinnati. Then uh, they have Indy at home, and then they have Cleveland. So they have two shots to me to really prove that you deserve this undefeated, undefeated record, and that would be against Buffalo, who has proven themselves to actually be a real team this year, and Indianapolis because Indianapolis's defense has been really well consistently. Take away their last game, that was not great, but overall, usually they're pretty consistent. I think those two games will be what really nails it home for me. I, I think they have stand a very good chance to win those games. I also would not discount their final game of the season against as is the rematch against the Browns. Right. I do know the Browns with the culture Baker Mayfield has brought to the Browns. They are a gritty. We're going to come for you type of team. Remember, this is the guy Baker Mayfield who, because he perceived a slight, 
from Ohio State when they beat him in 2016, came back in 2017 and planted the flag in the middle of Ohio Stadium. Don't ask me how I feel about that. It still makes me not like him a tad. But this is a man, Baker Mayfield, who if he loses to you, he will fight to find a way to beat you the second time round. So, and I think he's brought that culture as well to the Browns. So I expect a dogfight in that final game of the season. Now, depending on seeding, if the, maybe the Steelers are still fighting for that number one seed, they, they'll bring their A game to that. If they maybe have the number one seed locked up, maybe they don't care at that point. But, and they'll send out their, you know, practice squad. But I will be interested if both teams have incentive to win and they come with their A game with all their starters. I'll be very interested to see how that game goes. I agree. All right. So we've talked pro football and now we're going to move on to college football. (laughs) Um, So Alabama defeated Auburn pretty convincingly. It was uh, rather nice to see them get. Was there ever any doubt? Apparently, to some analysts, there was. Uh, so, huh. once again, we are the Iron Bowl champions, as usual. Um, so, I figured I'd swag it out for today and leave you to deal with Michigan. This uh, Is it this upcoming week? It's tomorrow. Um, I, no, it is the next week. This week is Michigan State, little brother. Then the next week is Michigan. Gotcha. Um, so, we had a schedule change, and I really wanted to talk about it. BYU is now going to play Coastal Carolina. Both are undefeated, nine and zero. You know, I think the winner should be in the top six. What do you think? I 100% agree with you. BYU should be in the top six right now. The, the disrespect they're getting from the college football committee is insane because the BYU quarterback, I think it's the, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yet he is playing out of his mind yeah and people talk about well you know you look at some of the teams that they're ranked around right now they just wouldn't hold up i will take byu to beat georgia tomorrow if they played i'd say byu would win i agree because so much of the power five football right now is so overrated you look, you just look at the Big Ten outside of Ohio State. All the blue bloods are crap this year. The fact that Indiana is the second best team in the Big Ten, even with Michael Penix out with a with a ACL tear, which makes my heart sad for him. I am really because he's had to deal with injuries his entire career. Blessings to him and uh, hopes that he prayers that he gets better very very quickly. Um, blue bloods are not that great this year and it's happening in the big 10 and it's also happening in other places across the country i think also in the sec lsu is now ls who texas a and m at five when they played Alabama, got absolutely slaughtered. How are they at five? Georgia should not be sniffing the top 10. So for BYU to be, according to the committee, ranked at 13, I mean, this could double as my are you for real segment. 
because mm. no, they should absolutely teams like BYU and Cincinnati should be much higher than they are. Let's um, let's talk the Heisman race since we're talking about a Heisman candidate, Zach Wilson. Um, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask from the SEC are both playing out of their minds, but it feels like they're not being talked about. Are they being overlooked? Who do you think should be leading the Heisman race? I don't think Kyle Trask is getting as overlooked as one might think. I mean, he's been showing up um, in fan votes for the Heisman on Twitter a ton with ESPN. He's, He's a dark horse candidate, I would say, because I believe now you have Trevor Lawrence back in the running. You have some other candidates up there as well. Zach Wilson is definitely also a dark horse. Mac Jones, it's hard because Alabama this year for the Heisman race has the problem that Ohio State did last year when they had Justin, wait, was it just, yeah, it was Justin Fields. No, it was, yeah, no, it was Justin Fields and Chase Young who were the Heisman finalists. And when you have two players on your own team that are Heisman finalists, you've got to make sure that you're at least the best player on your own team. And I would posit that Mac Jones is not even the best offensive player on his team. The best offensive player on his team is Najee Harris. Yeah. And I... I believe that man is getting overlooked much more than Mac Jones is much more than Kyle Trask is that man should be almost right up there with Trevor Lawrence. But again, because he's not a quarterback, uh, I think, I think because, because of the problems Ohio state has run into with scheduling and stuff like that, I think Justin Fields could have given Trevor Lawrence a real run for his money. However, with all the scheduling stuff and Ohio State having to cancel games for the Heisman race, I do see almost the waters parting for Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman. Which is dumb because the dude, what was it, two games that he didn't play in? He's still going to win the Heisman, really? Even though Najee Harris is Even though he's, he, play, he missed out on their biggest game thus far. Now, he'll get a ch- – now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He'll get a chance to potentially – play Notre Dame um, in a potential ACC championship game scenario. However, if we're going to look at that game, DJ Uyangalale in the first matchup with Notre Dame played very, very well. Again, it's not, and you look at Boston College, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense. He plays offense. And it was the defense that allowed Boston College to play as well as they did. And it was the defense that let Notre Dame win the game ultimately. It wasn't the offense that didn't do their job. It was the defense that didn't do their job. And that's not absence of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence doesn't, you know, suit up to play a linebacker. He plays quarterback. So I will be very interested to see how Trevor Lawrence matches up against a potential Notre Dame matchup in the ACC championship game. I agree. Um, 
Let's move on. Should we be worried about Ohio State playing the rest of their schedule? Illinois kind of canceling on them because of the pandemic. And we're hearing reports that if Ohio State can't play out the rest of their schedule, it sounds like they won't have enough games to compete in the Big Ten championship game. Are we According to the rules already set forth by the Big Ten, if they get one more game canceled, they will be ineligible. They have to play at least six games in the regular season to be eligible for a Big Ten championship appearance. However, they've taken like three games off. Well, if they've already taken two off. Another will be three because they haven't. They had an eight-game regular season, and they've already taken two. And you have to play six, at least six. Yep. However, and there are already rumblings, even from other schools. I believe it was either the athletic director. I think it was like maybe the athletic director, some one of the head honchos at the University of Wisconsin who said this, that even if Ohio State can't play out the full remainder of their season, they have two more games left. And according to the rules as they stand now, they need to play both. They need to play Michigan State uh, on Saturday, this Saturday, and then following that, Michigan the following Saturday. They need to play, according to the rules as they stand now, they need to play both of those games. However, should one of those games be canceled, it is imperative to the Big Ten that they find a way to get Ohio State to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game because no one is going to watch a Big Ten championship game between. I mean, I'm sorry, I love Indiana, but no one's going to watch a Big Ten championship game between Indiana and Northwestern when they know the real best team by far in the Big Ten is sitting on their couches, twiddling their thumbs, eating popcorn, watching the game they should be playing in. And yeah. Yeah, so I I would posit that the Big Ten needs Ohio State much more than Ohio State needs the Big Ten. The clamors among the Ohio State fan base to outright leave the Big Ten at the, before the season even started because the Big Ten was dragging its feet so badly is the, the clamors were deafening. So, no, the Big Ten needs Ohio State much more than Ohio State needs the Big Ten. And I believe you will see that in a potential rule change should another one of Ohio State's games get canceled. Right. Um, So our last bit of information or news that's come out for college football, UCF quarterback McKenzie Milton, everybody remembers him, uh, entered the transfer portal. Where will he end up? Um, You know, I had to sit and think about this for a minute. There is a team that's really good on offense that's about to lose its quarterback after this season, and that is the Florida Gators. Um, I could easily see him as a plug-in play with the Gators. Um, outside of that, I don't know where he's going to go. If you want to get drafted, and if that's what he wants because he doesn't have a whole lot of eligibility left, I would go to the SEC. It, it feels he, like a- he has He has one more year left. He has one more year left. He, if I'm in his shoes, I don't know where he lives. If he lives in Florida, going to a team like the Gators would probably be a very, very good move for him. However... If he wants to really study under like a quarterback guru who knows quarterbacks and knows how to develop them, he might find his way to 
oh no, not Alabama. They'll find his way to maybe Lincoln Riley and Ooh. Oklahoma. Yeah. Lincoln Riley is a guru. The other name that immediately comes to mind, and this would make the quarterback room at this school absolutely filthy, but Ohio State. Ryan Day is also an excellent developer of quarterbacks, and not just of any kind of quarterbacks, college, um, not college quarterbacks, NFL quarterbacks. You've seen, you've seen what um, Ryan Day did to Dwayne Haskins, one of the first semi-successful Ohio State quarterbacks in the history of the school. He benched him. I know, I know, which was a terrible move. A terrible move. You've you've got you've got a connection. You've got Terry McLaurin, who's doing amazing things for that team already, and Dwayne Haskins has been throwing to the guy for how many years in college? Let the dude who knows the receiver throw to the receiver. So I don't understand. I I get the feeling some politics went on, and it's not a great culture in the Reds. I mean the football team. So. I'll, I'll be interested. I, I would hope that maybe Dwayne Haskins can find his way to a different team uh, so he can experience some success. But I would I would say if Mackenzie Milton wants to really develop under a coach that knows quarterbacks and knows how to develop them, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma or Ryan Day at Ohio State. Now you'll have to compete very, very hard at Ohio State because we've got some very good young recruits coming. So maybe you go to Oklahoma and study under Lincoln Riley, which would be also excellent. But, you know, th- those those two guys, I think if you want to develop as a quarterback, you go to one of those two guys. I think so. All right, it's time to move to one of our favorite segments, Are You For Real? Luke, do you want to start us out this week? Okay, I will start us out. And I've already kind of touched on this a little bit. Ohio State is one game away one game cancellation away from technically according to big 10 rules, not being eligible for a big 10 title game. And we, a lot of us would want to play, would want to place the blame for that on, you know, COVID on players for not wearing masks for coaches, you know, not exercising social distancing. The blame, however, falls squarely on at the feet the Big Ten Conference and the brass who was in charge. You have the SEC who, you know, they've had to, you know, postpone, cancel games. You saw something like that with Alabama and LSU earlier, but they find a way, they they found a way to do it. The ACC found a way to do it better. Notre Dame, who isn't even really an official part of the conference, has had their season paused twice and is still sitting at nine-some games. And the Big Ten had a plan to play 10 games in 18 weeks, which is more than reasonable, more than gives a buffer for there to be postponements in games and allows for, you know, that 21-day window. But no, they had the hubris to think, no, we're not going to do 10 games in 18 weeks. We're going to do nine games in nine weeks. Uh, we're going to set a minimum threshold to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game. 
Um, and we aren't going to allow for any postponements. We're only going to do cancellations. And while every other conference on the face of the planet, when players do get COVID, it is a 10 to 14 day quarantine. No, we're going to make our players do 21 days. You have effectively shot your own conference in the foot. And let's be real here. You potentially shot your only chance at a college football playoff berth in the foot by denying the one good team in your conference a trip to your Big Ten championship game and potentially a trip to the college football playoff. So way to go, Big Ten. Slow clap for you. You are the joke of college football People will not soon forget this. People will actually start believing the dumb SEC marketing. It just means more because it actually does actually look that way now. So are you for real, Big Ten? Are you for real, Kevin Warren? Please, please. I'd say don't be stupid, but the fact is you were already stupid. It is too late. Just try to mitigate the damage now the best you can. You know, uh, my are you for real is not nearly as uh, excitable as yours. Uh, <laughs> I get passionate real quick. A little. Um, I will say that I'm going to get all over the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, for saying these words to DK Metcalf. He said, and I quote, I was in Detroit with Megatron. You're not there yet. What does DK Metcalf do? Oh, nothing. He only ran all over them, which didn't help my fantasy at all. He had 10 receptions for 177 yards. He said, that made me mad. You know, here's my are you for real. Don't badmouth players on other teams when your own team is hot garbage, Jim Swartz. (laughs) I'm sorry, but are you for real? You went out of your way. Kyle, to, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, you went out of your way to insult this man before the game and then got wrecked by him. Uh, are you for real? <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, yeah, I would completely agree. I completely agree. No, DK Metcalf is the epitome of the Michael Jordan and I took it personally meme. Yeah. He is the epitome of that. He saw what the idiot said and just said, well, you know what? I'm just going to run rough shot over these jackasses. And he did. You haven't heard his nickname yet, have you? Schwartz's or DK's? DK's. Oh, no. Baby Braun. I thought you'd like that. I can actually see it. Yeah, because he's... I can actually see it a little bit. Because everyone knows that if... I I think LeBron played football in high school. If he had decided to play wide receiver... He might have been insane. He would have been insane. Not wide receiver, tight end. Dude's massive. Oh, oh, he would have made Gronk look like a. Whoo, yeah, no, no, tight, yeah, tight end, tight end would have been nasty. I, I may disagree with you about him being the goat, but I don't think he's a bad athlete at all. I think he's great, but I don't. Yeah. Think he- that's, that's where we disagree. That's all. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that in another episode. We'll talk about that later. All right, Luke, we're moving on to fact or fiction. Would you like to head that for us? 
Sure, not a problem. I will be feeding it to Brad this week. So, Brad, the Seahawks defense is championship ready. Fact or fiction? Fiction. You almost got beat by the Eagles. The <laughs> Eagles. I'm sorry, but that will be the one thing that keeps them from. We're a sorry again, Kyle. Uh, but definitely fiction. Absolute fiction. All right. All right. Fact or fiction, and I feel like we've already um, addressed this. BYU deserves to be in the top 10. Fact or fiction? Fact. Absolute fact. We've talked about that one. You know my reasoning. Fact. Yep. Yep. The Steelers have had an easy schedule. Fact or fiction? I'm going to say fact just because of what's listed. They've played, they've played a couple tough teams, but overall, when you play the Giants and the Bengals and the Eagles, like, eh, eh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I would say, I would say that they have had an easier schedule, but an easier schedule is different from an easy schedule. And I, that, that's where I would draw the distinction. Okay. Moving on. The new England Patriots have figured out their offense. Fact or fiction? I'm going to say fiction. Yes, they beat the Cardinals. That's amazing. Good for you. But you had to rely on your kicker. Cam Newton didn't do a whole lot. There were some turnovers. The run game was awkward. No, they're not there yet. Yeah. I also don't the, – the Pats this year just strike me as a weird team. Yeah. Because they will overperform, and then they will underperform, and they'll overperform again. Their defense is the same way. So I haven't I, – I can't make heads or tails out of that team anymore. But, no, I, I would agree with you on that point. All right. The Miami Heat and their new vice jerseys are the worst jerseys of all of the new city jerseys. Fact or fiction? Oh, fiction. They're terrible, but I still think Orlando's is worse. <laughs> I, I, I can understand that. I can understand that. I do not get the combination of that blue and pink. I don't. I think it's atrocious. I would say fact, but I understand not being too pleased with oral either. All right. The Ravens-Steelers game. That no one thought would happen, but did, finally, yesterday, deserved to be delayed three times. Fact or fiction? I'm, I'm going to say a little of both, and I'll tell you why. Uh, fiction, because it wouldn't have done anything to the outcome of the game. But fact, because I understand that for a marquee matchup game, when like half of the other team isn't there, I'd prefer to see that team show up and have a better game. Which, I mean, the Ravens did just fine. Um, I was impressed with Trace McSorley. I was kind of surprised he got some love. There you go, Kyle. That's a Penn State product. You'll like that. Um, and I don't know. I, I thought we had a chance to beat him, but it just didn't happen. And that's okay because we were playing with, like, practice squad people. So, um, you know, it's fine. So, yeah, we have wrapped up Factor fiction. Luke, you have the hot take segment this week. It is all you take it away. Yeah, before we start hot take, I would like to go off that last fact of fiction. I will say fiction. The game should have been canceled because if it were canceled, I might have actually won my fantasy matchup. But we'll leave that for the next for next time. Um, so the hot take segment. And we're going back to college football again. 
for the past, for 15 out of the past 16 times, the game has come and gone, and 15 out of the past 16 times, Ohio State has beaten Michigan. Michigan has been unable to avoid a loss to Ohio State in football since 2011. That is eight years, and to this year would be the ninth. However, rumors are circulating that they might have actually found a way to avoid that loss. And it might and to avoid that loss would even deny Ohio State a trip to the Big Ten championship. How? Not by beating them on the field, but by canceling the game claiming COVID. The ultimate kick to the face and deny their supreme rival a chance at a Big Ten championship by only claiming COVID. Now, there will be Michigan fans who will say, we, we're, we're not that low, we're not that desperate, but the rumors are still circulating and I would not be surprised if sooner or later, maybe this week, maybe sometime next week, we hear more and more rumors of cancellation in Ann Arbor. Back to you, Brad. All right, that wraps up hot take. I'm kind of hoping that doesn't happen. I would like a rematch with Ohio. Oh, State. please, I don't want it to happen either. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to move on to fantasy segment and hit you up with what you need for this week, maybe to get you in that late play in the uh, playoffs. I know that in two leagues, I'm like one or two weeks away, if not this being the last week before playoffs start. Um, so let's start with our waiver pickups. Um, you should be picking up Damian Harris if you haven't already. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jason Hill, Zach Ertz, Kirk Cousins, Latavius Murray, Debo Samuel, Sterling Shepard, Kiki Kuti, and Devontae Booker. Lots of injuries and lots of weird stuff has happened, and uh, you'll see a lot more of some of those stocks kind of rise. I, I would agree with all of those. I would agree with all of those. Uh, Taysom Hill has been doing an okay job in uh, Drew Brees' absence. Um, they're playing a rather porous defense in the Hawks uh, this week. So watch out for him to potentially have a big day. For stardom, we have the Baltimore Ravens defense at Dallas. We all know the Dallas offense with the exception of Zeke Elliott, but even Zeke can't do much by himself, is in a hapless state. Um, Andy Dalton is doing the best that he can, but he's really not making the cut. He's got some weapons, but the O-line isn't giving him enough time. Uh, Zeke Elliott is trying his best to eat, but um, the man is going hungry a little bit recently. Watch for the Baltimore Ravens defense to stifle Dallas this week. I would also say start some Baltimore players at Dallas. We don't know who's going to be off the COVID list, but I know that J.K. Dobbins has kind of cemented himself as the lead back in that system, and it looks like he's going to be activated off of COVID leave in time. 
if he is, he would be a nice start against that Dallas secondary. Absolutely. Absolutely. For our drop I've had it. I can't do anymore. I said it last week, and I was absolutely correct. Drop Travis Fulgham. He is done in that offense. He's just not performing now that we've got Rieger back and a couple other players. He's just not doing it. I'm done with Travis Fulgham. Um, Derek Carr. Um, Carr severely disappointed against Atlanta. Um, and I have a bad feeling he may continue to do it down the stretch. If you have him, hang on to him this week against the Jets. But after that, it may be time to pull the plug. Um, I would also drop Will Fuller. He was suspended for um, PEDs, and it just does not look like he's going to be back at all. Yeah, no. Uh, Will Fuller was doing really, really well. He was uh, Deshaun Watson's primary target, but without, you know, the Texans have been up and down this season, and it's, it's gotten to the point where it's, it's not worth it anymore to have him um, on that fantasy bet on that fantasy lineup. And all right, Brad, tell us a little bit about the trade target, Brandon Cooks, this week. So because Will Fuller is looking to see a massive decline in use, wink wink, um, I would absolutely suggest I trade for Brandon Cooks because Deshaun has to throw the ball somewhere. Um, and it hasn't really been to the backfield, it hasn't really been to his tight end. So it would be a safe uh thought in my book to pick up Brandon Cooks if he's available. Um and that's all we have for fantasy. Um, I will tell you where you can find us. You can find us on most platforms where you can listen, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music. We also post to YouTube and Facebook. Um, this week, we may be a little later posting everything, but you're welcome to come back to Facebook and have a listen. And that is our episode for this week. We will see you next week.